0: It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods.
1: Six oh
2: six the time it's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Tuesday. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Temperatures across the region, uh, 20s and 30s, around in that area, not all that bad. A bit of a dip and a rise in temperatures as you heard from Don Day's forecast. 645, he'll give us a extended forecast. 745, he and I chat about that for a little while. And we'll let you know what's going on. Most of it you can just blame Canada and global warming for. So, On that note, we get to start the program by picking on Governor Gordon. Let's do it.
3: Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. Just disclaimer, does not refer every person Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco.
2: We know a lot of Daves, they call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. And good morning, Carol and Casper. She just sent me a note. I did see that story, Carol, and I hope to get to it a little bit later on. Somebody basically, a liberal, misquoted Ronald Reagan which is very typical that they don't understand what's being said. But that's a whole nother conversation. Let's get back to our governor real quick here. So a while ago, remember I told you guys, he was at Harvard University. And while they're at Harvard, he said that Wyoming will be committed to going not net zero, but negative CO2. We're actually going negative on this. So we plan to not just sequester all the CO2 that we create in Wyoming But more than that. So forget net zero. We're going net negative. Okay, and that, of course, got a backlash. There was the Republican Party who jumped on him here in Wyoming, sending him a a letter basically expressing dissatisfaction with him. And that's about all they can do is just let the governor know that not really satisfied with what you're saying, this is not a goal of Wyoming, even though, I have to say, It was Wyoming lawmakers who helped pass laws to try to get us into carbon sequestration in the first place. I just wonder if they're doing it because there's a lot of money behind it. But this is something that's got to come just to a stop. So the reason I bring this up again is it just is working its way up the food chain. And by food chain, I'm talking news media. Now, it doesn't surprise me that most major news outlets haven't even mentioned this. Uh, But there tends to be, and this is my experience over the years, I scan every morning a ridiculous number of news sites. And not just major sites that get the biggest and most traffic, but a lot of smaller ones and local ones from all over the country. So oftentimes I'll see a story and I'll start to follow it as it works its way up from a local story, works its way up the chain until it becomes a national story. So it's not surprising today that I get here to work and there's a lot of websites out there that I would call the mid-range news sites. So they're not big time, you know, like uh like your CNN or your USA Today or something like that, but uh, and I know probably Fox News might have covered it, but because of the nature of the story, a lot of the big league guys don't really want to touch this. But let's see if they do. So One of the stories I came across, headline, Gordon was standing tall in the saddle until he backed down. And they had a guest columnist write this line. Governor Gordon was standing tall in the saddle when he accepted an invitation to debate publicly about his so-called carbon negative policy in a state heavily engaged in the production of organic fuels. He said fossil fuels. I'm correcting him. However, he ultimately backed down. And we covered that. I covered that story with you how the governor then stepped back and said, Never mind, I don't want to debate this. And what he wants to talk about instead is he wants to position Wyoming so we will continue to use coal, gas, and oil. And his belief is if Wyoming goes carbon negative, then they have no argument against us. Now, last time the governor and I spoke on this program about this, I mentioned to the governor, I said, well, appeasing these people doesn't work. He rejected the idea that it was appeasement, but I look at it as that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're hoping if we not just go carbon neutral but carbon negative, that there's nothing they can say. They have no argument against us. We can still use coal, gas, and oil because we're negative, right? As I pointed out many times before, they don't care. But also, it's not achievable. Now, the other – I'll get to that in a minute. The other story I have comes from, again, a mid-level, uh, it's a national news organization, but I wouldn't put them up there in those that are most widely, uh, read or viewed. Okay. Their headline, Wyoming Governor's Speech Erupts in Fight Over the Future of Fossil Fuels, they mean Organic Fuels, and Carbon Capture. It says, to reach the goal of making human-caused carbon emissions, Neutral by 2050, the International Energy Agency estimates that 70 to 100 of these facilities will have to come online every single year. So up to 100 facilities would have to come online every single year for the next 27 years. The numbers are astronomical. This just isn't going to happen, is what they say. We're never going to get anywhere close to those kinds of numbers, said Steve Gorman, author of Green Breakdown. Okay, and Then um I go on with the rest of the story as I talk about decarbonizing and ne- negative there. But uh, what got me also as I put this story together is the cost of all of this. When we take a look at how much it's going to cost, uh, just let's just take Wyoming, for example. If you think you're having problems with your electric bills going up now and you know your utility companies want those electric bills to go even higher, up to 30 percent higher – That's what they're asking for right now. And you're already paying extra for what little carbon sequestration they're attempting to do right now. Okay, So you see all the problems that we have in our state. But get back to the beginning of all of this. To me, what I thought was most interesting is just how the story has left Wyoming. Because it was at first just a Wyoming story that the governor had said this. At Harvard University, and then the governor was rejected by his own party. They basically sent what they call a letter of was it a letter of disapproval or something like that. Uh, no no confidence letter is what it was, just to tell him we're not really have we don't have a whole lot of confidence in you right now, governor. You know you're not doing what our party stands for. Uh, and and then for the governor to say, "Yeah, I'll debate you," but then back down on that. Never mind. I guess I won't. You know, doesn't really doesn't make whatever his intention is. It doesn't make him look good either way. But the idea that the story has now left the state and is moving its way up the news food chain. So what I'm going to watch is how far up the chain does it go. It's left the state. It's got to the mid level news sites. Okay, and is climbing. I don't expect – if MSNBC were to pick it up, they're not a major news site as far as I'm concerned. They would just – well, you know what side they would be on. And the same with CNN. But let's take a look at other sites like, again, your major newspapers. Does it hit the Wall Street Journal? Does it hit New York Times? Pick your newspaper. There's a lot of major news organizations out there. How high up does it go? We'll wait and see. 6.15 is the time. Wake Up Wyoming. Honestly, to
0: be here. Catch Glenn Woods on Wake Up Wyoming weekdays at 6 on air on Alexa and on the Wake Up Wyoming app. 6.22
2: is the time to wake up Wyoming. It's all I was talking about with Governor Gordon, and now he's getting bad publicity. It's spreading across the country for backing out of a debate about CO2 since he wants to go net negative for the state of Wyoming. Al in Hillsboro. Morning, Al. It is a reason versus emotion, and emotion can't see objective logic argument. Good work, Len. Thanks. Okay, I appreciate that. Well, look, um... In this case, let's take a look at the cost. So the governor says he wants to go net negative, right? Let's take a look at the cost of that because, as I just showed, in order to go net zero for the world to achieve its goals, which is difficult to do when the world is using more coal, gas, and oil than ever before and more all the time, the number of facilities we would have to use to capture CO2 and store it in the ground – Now, the story I read said we would have to – it's estimated we would have to build about 27 – no, about 100 of those a year over the next 27 years. I think more than that because, again, the world is using more coal, gas, and oil than ever before. So it's got to be a lot more than that. But all right. What about going negative? Because Governor Gordon doesn't want to just pull out of the uh, – and store what we have coming out of our uh, coal plants and so on, but also – just in the air in general, just to be able to suck CO2 out of the air and store to make us net negative, right? Okay, well, here's a story I came across. Net zero electricity fantasies and the cost to British customers, about $100 billion over the next six years, the net zero electricity tax and levies, are set to cost British customers about $100 billion over the next six years, according to the latest official figures. From the Office of Budget Responsibility. Pause right there. Hang on. <clears throat> I'm highlighting that to read that again. Okay. So <clears throat> the UK <laughs> the UK has an Office of Budget Responsibility. Right. Okay. Imagine having something like that in the United States. Okay. Orwellian or just a lie, however you want to put it. Well, the environmental levies total include a variety of green rackets from paying suppliers to produce uneconomic energy, persuading customers to install inferior technologies. As the insane dash toward net zero in elite political circuses rages on, the cost have started to spiral out of control. Now, see, what I'm reading here, this is the same thing that's happening in the United States and not just in uh, Wyoming, but in other states as well. As you've seen, California is one of the biggest rackets that you've ever seen when it comes to the cost of energy. It doesn't need to be anywhere near this expensive. And even here in Wyoming, as I said earlier, even what little we're doing right now in carbon sequestration is added to your electric bill. It's already costing you. And it's about to cost you a whole lot more. So this story from the U.K. says almost all green technologies seem to require huge amounts of public subsidies with no end in sight. Constant demands for cash. Recently, offshore wind generators refused to take further government licenses in North Sea unless the U.K. government complied with their demands for higher guaranteed prices. In real terms, the government is now prepared to pay over 100 pounds in their money. Per megawatt hour, the price more than the current estimated cost of gas-powered electricity. So you see how this is driving costs higher and higher. And yet, here in Wyoming, Rocky Mountain Power is saying, well, no, the cost, they want to increase your utility rate by up to 30%. Well, that has nothing to do with going green, as they say. But yes, it does. It has, it's not entirely, but it does definitely have something to do with it. The um, story says the invested climate journal, uh, Paul Homewood is the guy who's, who's they're quoting here, has been digging into the figures for years and notes that offshore wind businesses is already being subsidized to about 4.8 billion pounds, British money. This despite the fact that they have been promised rapidly falling wind power costs would bring our bills tumbling down. We always know that that was a lie. So let me go back on that to what I've said from the beginning of this. You're told this stuff is clean, green, these wind turbines, clean, green, affordable, sustainable, reliable. And none of this is true. They keep bragging cheaper wind energy. If it's cheaper wind energy, then how come our bills keep going up? But you're telling me this is cheaper wind energy. Now, if I can find this real quick, give me a moment while I look at some. Because I did have a story in my notes here that came out of Texas. Here we go. Uh, say, uh, Texas going through rolling blackouts winter again. Yeah, a story says here Texas didn't need what they call renewables to meet peak demand this summer. Because... Regular organic fuel plants did so. It's because they've reduced their reliable capacity in favor of what were supposed to be renewables. But they're not. For starters, by shutting down six coal fire plants between 2018 and 2020 without replacing the loss of reliable generation capacity, that has hamstrung the grid and blown prices through the roof. Pay attention to that last part. And blew prices through the roof. And the planning that's going on into – this is insane. The story says, when 20 years ago, no one cared what the sun did, it had zero impact on the weather, rainy districts, whatever. But now, next month's – okay, it goes into the eclipse and stuff like this. How the eclipse caused the sun to uh, be a little bit weaker for uh, solar collection. But all right, you're getting the idea. They're having a problem, once again, with power in Texas, of all places, which you consider an energy capital. But they put up so many wind and solar plants as it is, they're having problems with price and reliability. All right, local news coming up. And then weather forecast after that. We'll get back into it. Wake up, Wyoming.
4: I'm just happy to be here.
0: I'm so happy to be here,
4: yeah I'm just happy to be
0: here Still I know the world's on fire, the situation's dire A lot of work occur Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods. Make your voice heard at 888 97 Woods. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. 6.36
2: 6.36 at the time. but to wake up my means. Okay, here's a message from Red and Casper. Just to quantify the estimated cost increase for the power in the UK based on UK population, that would be an increase of about $122 a month per person. Now, let, let me ask you, though. Per person, does that include... I would rather do per household because not every person in a household pays the bills. I often hear how much it would be per person, but an infant is not paying for the electric bill right okay anyway likely to be way higher since not everyone in uk 68 million will uh help pay which is basically what i was just saying red is what you're saying there but yeah i'd like to oftentimes when i hear it would cost this much per person well how much per household that's a better way to look at it than per person but okay A couple more things on this, and we'll get on to other stories in the next hour. So the Environmental Protection Agency has actions that could cost one Alaska city transportation funds. Basically what this story is, the EPA gives – well, your federal government gives a lot of money to states for things like public transportation and also roads and bridges, stuff like this. And they're supposed to, each state is supposed to meet certain environmental air quality standards, according to the EPA. If you don't meet those standards, then the threat is then we're going to withhold that money. Which is one of the reasons that I say to states in cities out there, do everything you can to never take the government money in the first place. Because if you take that federal government money, you get addicted to it, you get used to it, hooked on it, then all of a sudden they threaten you need to do such and such or we're going to pull that money. And if you don't do it, they say, well, you're screwed, right? Now what do you do? You're so used to spending it. As much as you can, don't take federal government money. I don't care how much they're offering. And keep in mind, your federal government does not really have a lot to offer. They're broke, massively, and they're getting broker all the time, which means we are. All right, then, this story. New Jersey bans organic fuels by 2035. It says fossil fuels, I'm correcting him. New Jersey will join a handful of states banning the sale of new organic fuel-powered vehicles, gas-powered vehicles, diesel-powered vehicles, over the next 12 years, despite critics claiming that the shift to electric vehicles will be too costly. And I'm even going to say it isn't going to happen like they think. The electric vehicle industry is failing, despite all the government subsidies. Phil Murphy announced that he has finalized, that's the governor, a new regulation that will require car manufacturers to ramp up sales of electric vehicles in Jersey, leading to a ban of the sale of organic fuel-powered vehicles by 2035. Murphy said the lower emissions will improve air quality and climate change and et cetera, et cetera, okay, and help people to make cleaner choices. These cars aren't cleaner. The new rule – now, when I read rule, what that tells me is – I'd like to look a little more into this, but that it wasn't the state legislators that did this, but the governor, which means it's not a law. This can be overturned easily. And just like California did, I mean, the governor writes a, an executive order declaring this. The new rule will apply to cars, medium and heavy duty vehicles, including tractor trailers, garbage trucks, larger vehicles requiring et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. In doing so, New Jersey joins Rhode Island, Maryland, Connecticut, and New Mexico in announcing plans to adopt these tough rules based on California's strict emission standards. Massachusetts, New York, and Vermont are also finalizing similar e-vehicle mandates. Wow, really? Okay, so this is, um, they say, for a cleaner New Jersey. Into, I'm, I'm just kind of skimming through the article real here, uh, really quick here. Uh, see, at the bottom, Republican senator of New Jersey said he doesn't have the infrastructure to support. New Jersey does not have the infrastructure to, to support such a transition, You know, he, especially in the time that they want to do it and said that it will disproportionately hurt rural New Jerseyans uh, forcing this foolish transition to all electric vehicles he said can not only lead to job losses but economic instability etc cetera, etc cetera. I take a look at it this way um, it will do the same thing that you'll see in California and but other states as well so when someone takes a look at needing a new vehicle and they can't buy an electric vehicle or don't care to buy whichever the case is well it's just banning the sales of gas and diesel vehicles in that state they can go across the border and buy a vehicle there and drive it back into the state and if they try to find a way to, to ban that happening then those people will just pack up and leave those states I mean, I would if I was living in a state that said we're banning the sale of new gas-powered cars and I was not able to buy a gas-powered car when I wanted to, then I would just leave the state. I'm going to go to where I can. So here, once again, they have these fantasies, but this is just not going to work out the way they think. 6.42, wake
0: up. Wake up, Wyoming. Glenn Woods is live on AM 1030 K2 Radio and the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app.
2: 6.48 is the time to wake up, Wyoming. I mean, no, Frank Gambino is still not back. And Dave settled down in Laramie. I hadn't answered me back. Not available right now. Up to me to fill in. for. Okay. Got a couple of things. Now, some people were sending me stuff because I was filling in for Frank. I'm going to play one of them just a bit. Meantime, there's this story. So let's go to Disney World. Now, one Ride that anyone who's been to Disney has probably taken the ride, It's a Small World. It's one of their most famous rides. It's also delightfully creepy at the same time. On one hand, it's very innocent, lovely, but at the same time, in a very creepy way. It's hard to explain. Story here, a 26-year-old man was arrested at Disneyland in California after stripping down naked... And wandering around the theme parks, it's a small world ride. Now, at that point, so this guy is naked and wandering around, it's a small world. I will let you write your own jokes on that. Take that anywhere you want. My mind already went there. Quote, and this is a woman who's uh, tweeting something here. I'm on, it's a small world, and there's a streaker. I can't believe it. This is happening. This is a Disney guest. So she wrote on Twitter, sharing, and by the way, The story I'm reading here says she wrote on X, and then they put a slash Twitter. People are still getting used to that. Sharing a photo of the man who appears to be completely nude. Yes, he is. Wandering around outside the attraction. The man was, in fact, completely naked. And there's a video of him on social media showing his, well, bare everything exposed as he hops in and out of the water near the entrance, and then he goes inside and comes back out again. In front of the kids, one woman explained. Addition to other video was shared on you know the television show TMZ shows a man clad in just his underwear, but that's where it started to see. And Disneyland employees are shouted, "Stop! Please get down." Officers with the police department responded to the theme park around 1:30 p.m said the man was suspected of being, you think, being under the influence of some substance. You think? Just gone out on a limb there, huh? Disneyland, guests said the nudity incident shut down the attraction for more than an hour. We see now, I think for some people, whether they wanted to see it or not, some people probably would have paid extra to see it just for the novelty of it all all right now next up for those of you in sports remember bob eubecker yeah football player but afterwards became one of the greatest sports comedians out there and listener ronnie Holiday sent me this
5: my dad wanted me to have everything that everybody else had i think the first thing that he ever bought me was a football and I was very young, and uh, he didn't know a lot about it. He came from the old country. And, uh, I mean, we tried to pass it and throw it and kick it, and we couldn't do it, and it was very discouraging for him and for me. And uh, almost, we almost quit. And, and finally, we had a a nice enough neighbor came over and put some air in it. And what a what a difference. <laughs> I hadn't
2: thought about, even though I'm not a sports guy, I hadn't thought about Bob Eubecker in such a long time with that one. But I do remember him as basically just a sports comedian that made his way also, all sorts of television shows. I know he played the game, but then afterwards he decided to do something unique with it. it was funny like that. And for a while every time I turned on some television variety show, he was on it telling great sports jokes. And and then of course at some point he retires. I don't think he's with us anymore. But that's the kind of guy I would like to see come back into sports at some point. Because I correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I don't see for you sports fans out there currently any sports comedians. I know comedians who tell jokes about sports. But I don't know of anybody who played the game who decided to get into the whole comedy thing and basically made a career out of it. Wouldn't that be great to bring that back into sports again? I I would like to see it, even though I'm not a fan of sports. I'd like to see that again, especially because it was somebody who played the game. All right, we're coming up on some local business right after that news time national local update on the weather forecast. You and I get back into it for the seven o'clock hour. Have a guest coming on at 720. Other than that, it's you and me all morning long. Don Day's on at 745. He's gonna give us a nice long talk about changes in the weather, which mostly colder. Yes, some snow, but mostly in the high country. He'll explain seven forty five. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Scott. 7.06 at a time. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. Yeah, on the chilly side out there. We'll talk to Don Day at 7.45. Get all of your... Uh, news information on upcoming weather events, and I do mean events, coming your way. Nothing big, nothing big, but change is definitely coming your way. All right, so several people have sent me this this morning, and I do hope that this guy has been told the massive mistake that he made, so he just feels as foolish as he really is. This is one of Biden's officials in the Biden administration, I'll get into who in just a bit. And he's speaking at a public event. Is one of these guys who thinks he's really the smart guy here. Many of you know where I'm going with this. He wants to quote Ronald Reagan. You know,
6: we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help.
2: Okay, let's just... <laughs> As Ronald Reagan said, we're from the government. uh, We're here to help. Okay. So let's go back to, I think first off, he missed a few words there at the beginning. And he also completely misrepresented President Reagan's tone of voice when he said that. So let's go back and relive it.
7: I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are... I'm from the government, and I'm here to help.
2: So you see (laughs) the difference between the two. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. So I wonder if this guy has been told, you just made a massive blunder, and man, you're getting raked over the coals for this. I'm sure for those people who like watching some of the shows on Fox News, like The Five, they haven't covered this already. They're going to. Uh, But there's other programs out there that will cover. The talk radio be all over this. Okay, so there's one story I came across from the Hot Air blog. David Strom is writing this. He titles this, showing this guy's picture. We are governed by ignorant fools. (laughs) I'll play that again just for the fun of it here. I mean, how how bad does it have to be that you're going to quote someone, but you never went ahead and looked it all up to make sure that you got it right? So that's why we are governed by ignorant fools. Somebody with who, every
6: governor we met with yeah, here to we make go. sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, "We're from
2: the government; we're here to help." Yeah. Okay. So again, not getting the whole thing right. If you don't mind, I'll play Reagan again. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are I'm from the government and I'm here to help. But I wanted to seize on really the the headline that this particular gentleman David Strom wrote in his article. We are governed by ignorant fools. Because to me that's what really jumped out more than anything else. I mean I can read into his articles but just the title there alone says a lot of what I've been saying and you you and I have been talking about for many years on this program which is the kinds of people that we elect to office for one, the kinds of people who run for office, the kind of people that we the American people often elect to office are not the best and brightest that we have There's some of the worst in fact even uh, the congressman help me out, suddenly his name slipped in my mind who for, they had to fix his dress code because he was showing up in sweatpants, that guy. Uh, even he had recently been on a talk show where he noticed that, and he's not a bright bulb at all. Even he noticed, well, we're not exactly sending our best and brightest to Washington D.C. No, we're not. And they're not on our city councils or on our county commissions all over the country. I'm sure there are some smart people there, but most of them are not. They're experts in absolutely nothing. Except how to get elected. And they prove this on a regular basis. And then when we take a look at the people who are in the bureaucracy, who are now, the bureaucracy is now the fourth branch of government. They're allowed to be decision makers. They're unelected lawmakers in the bureaucracy. And it's the idiots in your, uh, from your elected officials that allowed the bureaucracy to have that power. So here we have people who really don't know a whole lot, have trouble connecting the dots. Most of them have never really held a a real job. Not all of them. Some have, but most of them have never really held a real job. And yet they're going to be in charge of everything in the nation as if these are the best and the brightest and they can lead us down a better path. And you see the stupid decisions that they make, which is why as more of your libertarian thinker here, and I know a lot of you conservatives think the same way, this is why I want the smallest possible government, as small as it can possibly get. The only thing I really want them in charge of is, okay, we have some basic laws. Uh, don't murder. Don't steal. You know, Basic laws like this. Don't defraud somebody. You're going to be a decent, honest person. Okay? So we have a few basic laws to govern us, and government's job is to enforce that. Also, take care of the rapists and murderers and so on. Military to keep us in a bubble of freedom. But I really don't want the government to do a whole lot. When it comes to running energy production, which is what I was talking about last hour, that should be left open to the free market. Yeah, I don't mind that the government makes sure that when it comes to buying energy, whether it's fuel for your vehicle or your house, or electricity, gas, whatever it might be, that they're being honest with you when you purchase this energy. They're not ripping you off. So there's one. We've got to make sure of that, right? But then also to make sure they do it clean. And no, CO2 is not a pollutant. But let's get them out of so many things. Those of you, especially who are business owners, who have to deal with endless government rules and regulations, know how difficult it is to run your business these days when all you needed was a few basic rules to make sure that you're doing it fair, clean, honest, safe even. I don't even mind a a few safety rules, but those of you who have to deal with OSHA on a regular basis, you know, OSHA is not a bad thing, but then they get ridiculous to the point that it's not only difficult for a lot of you folks who have to deal with OSHA to get work done. But some people have told me who are in the oil business, construction business, et cetera, that OSHA has gotten so bad they've actually made the workplace more dangerous, not less. These are the people that we're dealing with. They're not the smartest out there. And yet the American people, we the American people continue to make the mistake of electing this. People who are not the best or the brightest, which is why I think the best way to do it. Honestly, Because the best and the brightest don't even want these jobs. The best and the brightest are actually out there making a living. They don't even want this job, which is why I think the best thing to do is go back to where we were before. Making government, which is what our founders did, as limited in power as possible. So although there might be people out there who have grand dreams like your Bernie Sanders types and your governor of California types, grand dreams of all the wonderful things they think they want to do for you, They just simply won't have the power to do it. I mean, if they want to try through the free market, they can, but they would actually have to convince people to join them, not force them. This, I think, is the big mission. If if I were to give anything to the American people now uh, as far as a mission, how to fix the country, it would be to take power away from those in government, massive amounts of power away, giving them the ability to do very little to help us because Ronald Reagan had that one right. 7.15 Wake Up Wyoming.
0: News and weather together at the top and bottom of every hour. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030
2: K2 Radio. 7.20 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So let's talk about schools for just a bit and about some of what is being taught. in schools. We have some charter schools coming into the area that are going to be teaching what they call classical education and includes a lot of the classics out there. And that includes a lot of uh, classic history, including American history. Jamie Glass is director of the Pioneer Institute Center for School Reform. Morning, Jamie. Thanks for coming on this morning. Morning, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. I'm really interested in the idea of not just teaching history. Of course, it's one of the most important things we can do is to teach where we came from, as America, how all of this came to be, but also it worries me that in some schools they're not really teaching exactly what happened or the philosophy behind it.
8: No, you couldn't be more right about that. The, the fact is is that uh, education as it was set up in the founding era with the, by the founding fathers was always intended to focus on history and civics for citizenship so that young people and future citizens have the ability to understand the vocabulary of our republic, to understand the basic uh, st- structures of government and constitutionalism. And they, the founders viewed this as the way to help perpetuate liberty.
2: So it's not just a matter – I mean, of course, America is going to make mistakes. Every country is going to have problems, and everybody is going to make mistakes. But that doesn't mean it's a bad country, especially when you take a look at the ideals that we're supposed to be striving for.
8: Absolutely. Part of the reason why we produced this book, Restoring the City on a Hill, U.S. History and Civics in America's Schools – is exactly that reason is just that we wanted to make sure that kids had a basic understanding of the founding documents, the foundational history of the country, and be able to look at the country warts and all, have a balanced understanding of it. And you're so right, because the fact is that in a lot of schools all over the country, you're seeing uh, you know, sort of pretty heavy political agenda that are is being kind of imposed on kids and teaching them you know, what to think and, and how to act sort of politically before they have the basic knowledge of our democracy. So. This is why it's a very important topic for this time, and you can kind of see how it's leading to a lot of the divisions in the country because people don't have, young people don't have a shared understanding of our principles.
2: I was really shocked and saddened a while, if you remember the Occupy Wall Street movement a few years ago, how many people who had graduated high school got into college and they honestly did not even have a basic understanding of what money is. They couldn't understand anything about our financial system or what money is and how it works. When we take a look at history, I don't think most Americans could pass a basic civics class or test, a citizenship test.
8: That's true. And even you know, here in Massachusetts, we have a pretty good record in education, but we did a poll just about a month or so ago and our citizens basically got a D in terms of passing the basic some of the basic questions on the US citizenship exam. And you're so right about it, because the fact is, is that on top of all the remarkable constitutional successes and achievements of the country from the founding era right up through the Civil Rights Movement and MLK, a lot of people, young people, uh, adults, don't understand the basic functionings of capitalism and how we have become this engine of prosperity that people all over the world envy and want to come to because of the, the opportunities that we have that provide for uh, wealth and prosperity and a, and a good way of life.
2: One of the best teachings, you said you're from Massachusetts. One of the best teaching tools, I think, in my generation, was when I would turn on Saturday morning cartoons, and they had Schoolhouse Rock, which was really entertaining civics classes right in the middle of the cartoons that were being played on television for kids. That came out of your state of Massachusetts, although I don't see anything like that being taught on television today or anywhere else, not just in school, but when kids are out of school, I don't see those lessons being taught.
8: I agree with that, Glenn. I remember those cartoons when I was a kid. Schoolhouse Rock was a good, fun way for kids to quickly learn about how a bill becomes a law and a whole bunch of the sort of foundational pieces of history. And of course, what we're trying to do is help build on that, make sure kids read the founding documents, that they read a lot of the touchstone speeches and, and uh, pieces of of history so that they really understand the world around them. mean there's no way the kids can understand how to be a citizen, how to have the free exchange of ideas and uh, tolerate people that you disagree with and, uh, you know, be a, a fully engaged citizen if they don't have the kind of basic background knowledge or vocabulary of our democracy. And it's a, it's a real shortcoming. And it's, it's not just in one state or another place or one school district. It's pretty widespread because the fact is we haven't been teaching history and civics in a durable way for many, many, uh, you know, years now and, and decades. And so, you know, our hope is with this book that we can help jumpstart uh, a balanced, reasonable conversation about the fundamentals that kids kids need to know about the civic life of our country.
2: Are you trying to get this book into schools?
8: We are. We're trying to, you know, we, we a lot of the pieces of research are drawn from about a decade of work on it. We're marketing the book all over the country, but we are trying to put it in the hands of teachers and school leaders and policymakers all over the country because, you know, the truth is we're seeing a lot of political food fights all over the country over uh, what's taught in schools. And it's essentially what we're trying to say here is, is look, there's some fundamental features of, of our constitutional system that, and and basic history that kids need to know. People can differ in their politics, but you have to have a basic uh, uh civic literacy that allows those conversations and those debates to go on in a reasonable way and then it, it's a fundamental thing that schools need to be doing and the you know the fact is is that we've fallen down on it as a country and we need to get a lot better at it
2: what about for parents who would like to have this book at home
8: so it's uh it's available on Amazon but it's also uh you know you can connect on it uh through our website it's pretty uh, inexpensive book, about $10, and, uh, you know, it's a re- it's a really good kind of uh, short description of what's going on. It's got a great introduction from Paul Reed, who's the New York Times bestselling biographer, Winston Churchill, got an endorsement from, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning historian, uh, David Kennedy from Stanford University. So we've really enlisted really great people. It's very readable, it's very accessible for parents, for teachers, uh, and and even students, you know, more sophisticated students, you know, it's a it's a good explanation of how we got into this mess where kids don't know much about civics, and uh, and and it, it kind of charts a pathway out of states or places that have done a good job developing good civics and history standards, and how to make sure that kids. Uh, have this kind of basic vocabulary of our democracy.
2: I would like to see this also taught a little bit more in some universities, because let's face it, that's where people go to become teachers. And you've seen what's coming out of universities these days. I don't know where they got that garbage from, but they're feeding young people's minds with stuff that has nothing to do with what our founding fathers ever intended for this country.
8: You're so right about that, and it's it's really troubling because obviously higher education is very expensive, and I, I honestly can't think of very many many colleges and universities in this country, whether they're elite ones or, you know, even community colleges, where where kids are kind of taught the basics of civics. You know, we, we a couple of years ago we did an event um, on Jacksonian democracy. We had a, a law professor from uh, um, uh, Connecticut. And he talked about how many of his law students that are incoming don't really know a lot of the fundamentals of the Constitution, which is kind of amazing, given that that's what they're in law school to study. So you're so right about it. A lot of it uh, in the way in which we prepare teachers, but also the way in which we're preparing young people coming out coming out of higher education. We've got to get a lot better at it, and we've got to have the, the K-12 schools uh As well as higher education, kind of pulling in the same direction because Mm -hmm. this is vital to the survival of our our republic.
2: Real quick, because we're about to get cut off by news. What's the name of the book again?
8: It's called "Restoring the City on a Hill: U.S. History and Civics in America Schools." And it's from Pioneer Institute. All
0: right,
2: thank you, Jamie. Appreciate you coming on today. Let's wake up, Wyoming.
0: When you need to know quicker than the morning paper or the 5 o'clock news, you need Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Mornings on K2 Radio.
2: 7.36 in time, Wake Up Wyoming. We'll have Day on 7.45 to talk about the weather in length with some changes coming up. Uh this weekend to next week that really just make things colder more than anything else, but he'll explain. Ladies and gentlemen, your favorite song.
5: Oh, I like guns, I like the way they look. I like the shine steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small, if they're forced to feel I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like
2: it now, I've told you in the past, there's a lot of things that folks would like to do away with. And by folks, I don't mean you. I mean, there's getting rid of your internal combustion engine car, having us use less coal, gas, and oil, even though the, the world is using more. And also, this past Thanksgiving Sunday, when people were coming home, it was calculated that more people this past holiday drove and flew and i'll get into those numbers just a bit than ever been recorded and we're supposed to be doing less than that and yet it's happening more than ever before for for those people who'd like to get rid of your guns record number of background checks on black friday oh wow that's so cool fbi conducted a record number of national instant criminal background checks november 24th black friday National Shooting Sports Foundation noted the FBI. Now these are the checks where if you want to go ahead, as many of you who love purchasing guns know this. You're told that, well, you know, people can go ahead and buy an AR-15 and there's no check on everything. There is, as you know. You go to buy something, someone's going to pick up the phone and call and say, hey, uh, would you check? And not that they're checking to see or putting you on a national register or anything like that. Just To make sure, is there any reason this person can't buy a gun? Have they committed a felony? Something like that. If not, no, buy a gun. Or not. Government really doesn't know what you're doing. They just know that you are being looked into to see if you had a record of any kind. So Breitbart News reported FBI conducted 187,585 checks Black Friday. Okay, it goes through all the numbers. This year set a record. So, they, the checks conducted on Black Friday do not translate into a precise number of guns sold, but people checked up on. So, how many guns were purchased? Don't know. Have no idea. How many uh, rounds of ammunition were purchased? Don't know. Have no idea. But we do know it's going to end up being a record amount. So, for those people who've been trying to get guns out of everybody's hands, this shows once again the numbers are increasing, not decreasing. And for those people who are worried about their gun rights in this country, thank you for a lot of court decisions especially, but your freedom to own and carry has been increasing in the United States, not decreasing. Now, that doesn't mean... That you gun owners out there have nothing to worry about. You always do. You have to remain ever vigilant to protect your gun rights. Uh story says that means, well, it goes through the numbers of background checks. It could mean about a half a million, up to a half a million guns were sold on just Black Friday alone. Again, it's not an exact number. They got to wait till those figures come in. But the estimate is, Up to about a half million guns were sold during the holiday season. And now, again, I want to know how much are we dealing with when it comes to ammunition or any other accessories that may have come with that. And I also would like to know what kind of guns specifically were sold during that time. I have no idea, don't know. Now, right away, someone uh, who would be anti-gun would picture, oh, my God, people were buying assault weapons. Uh, not really, no. In fact, one of the most popular kinds of guns that people would buy would be either uh, something like a .22 is something usually that people get around Christmas time or some pistols as well. But sometimes people, again, just get all sorts of accessories like uh You know, uh, again, besides the ammunition, but other accessories that come with guns, Uh, holsters, you know, you let your imagination run wild as to what kind of accessories come with that. Not something the anti-gun crowd wanted to hear, right? Also, not something that the left wanted to hear that more people flew than ever before. Of course, what I think is funny about that is while people on the left will complain, well, we're... We're contributing to climate change with all of those people traveling for Thanksgiving. And yet I guarantee you, those same leftists were boarding airplanes themselves and driving all over the country too. Not like they didn't participate in it. I mean, if they really believed what they said, then they would have stayed home too. And st- they No, they would have. They would have stayed home rather than going out and participating and buying all those airplane tickets and driving all over the country. But they were out there, too. 742, wake up. Like a strong cup of coffee in the morning. Tasteless,
0: but it'll get you through the day. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. 7.45
5: 7.45 is
2: the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Off we go to talk to Don Day from Dayweather. Chilly again this morning, and I'm waiting for the wind at some point to hit us, Don.
1: Huh? Well, don't worry. We'll we'll get the wind in here. Okay. Just uh, don't uh, don't fret. Of okay. course, we're going to have wind eventually. But yeah. it really won't be that uh, bad of a day today. The worst of the winds could be I-25 to our south. That usual stretch, Wheatland, Chugwater to, to north of Cheyenne. Uh, but really, for the most part, this is a very quiet stretch of weather here for the next couple of days and really all the way through Friday.
2: OK, so the next couple of days through Friday, although between now and Friday, there's a little bit of a change, right?
1: Not much. Not much uh, okay. We're, we're going to see I, I think the biggest excitement we're going to have is that temperatures will be up today and tomorrow. They're going to be down Thursday and Friday. Okay. If we're going to see any snow shower activity, it'll be in those far southern areas of the state getting clipped by a storm going across Arizona. But there is a system coming in this weekend that is going to bring some snow to the high country and windy areas to the lower elevation. So we, you talked about wind. I think the weekend is when we're going to really see that.
2: Okay. See, you're supposed to schedule that for the weekday. But, okay, well, you've had a pretty good run this year. So we'll we'll let you slide on that one. Now, we get into next week that we're still waiting for. We've had a little bit of a taste of winter here. We're still waiting for winter. You know what I mean?
1: Well, it's certainly more of a winter pattern now. Yes. And the, the the storm that we had over Thanksgiving period certainly, you know, just ask us folks over on Lander and Riverton, you know, with all the snow on the ground, they've been below zero the last two nights. So winter is settling in. Uh, our next episode of winter, you know, we'll, we'll certainly see some snow in the high country this weekend. Kind of looking at late next week is something that might be a little bit bigger.
2: Okay, good, because I'll be out of town. Well, there you go. So if you want to go ahead and schedule like a blizzard, or something like that, you know, that's, I think, perfect timing to get this done. When we get to – I noticed on your podcast this morning, there is a forecast that you'll glance at with a big bag of salt, not just a grain of it, that talks about all the way out to, like, Christmas Day.
1: Yeah, we're, we're looking to – twice a week we get some updated uh – what we call weeklies that, that try to forecast one week at a time over the next four weeks. Uh, and what we're seeing is something that we, we were kind of expecting, which is the, the period of time, late December into the first of the year, uh, a colder regime, a, a, a pattern that, you know, you talked about winter looks like very much like winter and it's, it's centered right now. On those last 10 days of to December into early January, which is, of course, the holiday travel period. And I can tell you, there's been a lot of years when we've had snow on Thanksgiving and then we've had snow on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. So, uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're keeping an eye on it. But like you said, take it with a grain of salt. It's just something that we're watching.
2: All right. Thank you, Don. Don day with day weather. So, all right. that I, we can't give too much into what's several weeks out, but I just like the idea that he keeps an eye on what the possibilities are. Nice to have that little bit of snow. We're going to get a lot more in the high country, which, of course, is going to build up for us. Hopefully, sticks with us through you know, like springtime because you know, we so rely on so much of that to fill up our reservoirs and so on later on. So, so far, so good, and we've been just easing into this winter time. Now, Frank Ambino is still out. Uh, David Settle, who works out of Laramie for us, not available as well. So. That means I'm stuck with sports, and you know when it comes to sports, I don't know anything. You
4: know the guy's name's on a baseball team? Yes. Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yes. I mean the guy's name. Who? The guy playing first? Who? The guy playing first base? Who? The guy on first base. <laughs> Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I don't know. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I'm asking you who's on first. That's me. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. That's it. <laughs> That's his name. Well, you ain't said nothing. I ain't asked you nothing. You did. You know the guy's name on first base? Sure. Well, tell me the guy's name on first base. Who? <laughs> the guy playing first base. Who is on first loop? What are you asking me for? Uh, don't get excited. I'm saying who. i I'm asking you a simple question. Who's on first? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? <laughs> I'm asking you, what's the guy's name on first oh, base? Oh, no. What's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. do Don't mix up my I'm problem. not mixing up anybody. Now, what's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not <laughs> Wait a minute. Whoa. No, well, that's not Whoa, 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 whoa. How did I how did I get on third base? You mentioned his name. I mentioned his name. Yes. I don't know anybody's name on the team. I you... how could I mention a guy's name? You did? You just mentioned it. All right. What's the guy's name on third base? No, what's on second? Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's on ready? I didn't even mention a guy's name on third base. Yes, you did. All right, then who's playing third base? No, no, who's on first? I'm not asking you what's on first. What's on second? Who's on second? Who's on third? I don't know. He's third base. Third base. Third base. Third base. I don't know anybody on a baseball team. You do. You mention their names. I do. Sure. You got an outfield? Well, naturally. Tell a feelers name. Why? <laughs> I,
3: I, I just a- thought I'd
4: ask you. I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Well, go ahead. Tell me. Tell you what? Tell a feelers name. Why? Because I want to know. Because. Oh, he's center field. You know these players as well. Who's in center field? No, who's on first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> Do you know the guy's names on the team? Look, Louie, uh, you don't seem to understand. See, I have a
2: friend. Okay, name. see, so that was way back in the days, of course, of Vaudeville. Now let's step into
7: the future with baseball and George Carlin. Baseball is a 19th century pastoral game. Football is a 20th century technological struggle. (laughs) Baseball is played in a park, the Baseball Park. Football is played in a stadium, sometimes called Soldier Field or War Memorial Stadium. (laughs) Baseball begins in the spring, the season of new life. Football (laughs) begins in the fall when everything is dying. (laughs) In football, you wear a helmet. In baseball, you wear a cap. (laughs) Football is concerned with downs. What down is it? (laughs) Baseball is concerned with ups. Who's up? Are you up? I'm not up. He's up. (laughs) In football, you receive a penalty. In baseball, you make an error. (laughs) Whoops. In football, in baseball, the special... In football, (laughs) the specialist comes in to kick something. In baseball, the specialist comes in to relieve somebody. (laughs) Football has hitting, clipping, spearing, piling on, personal fouls, late hitting, and unnecessary roughness. Baseball has... The sacrifice. (laughs) Football is played in any kind of weather. Rain, snow, sleet, hail, fog. Can't see the game. Don't know if there is a game going on. Mud on the field. Can't read the uniforms. Can't read the yard markers. The struggle will continue. In baseball, if it rains, we don't go out to play. (laughs) I can't go out. It's raining out. (laughs) Baseball has the seventh inning stretch. Football has the two-minute warning. (laughs) In baseball, during the game in the stands, there's kind of a picnic feeling. Emotions may run high or low, but there's not that much unpleasantness. In football, during the game in the stands, you can be sure that at least 27 times you are perfectly capable of taking the life of a fellow human being, (laughs) preferably a stranger. (laughs) And finally, the objectives of the games are completely different. In football... The object is for the quarterback, sometimes called the field general, to be on target with his aerial assault, riddling the defense by hitting his receivers with deadly accuracy in spite of the blitz, even if he has to use the shotgun. With short bullet passes and long bombs, he marches his troops into enemy territory, balancing this aerial assault with a sustained ground attack which punches holes in the forward wall of the enemy's defensive line. <laughs> In baseball, the object is to go home.
2: So, coming up on some local business that we have to take care of, we're going to roll into news time after that. National local update on your weather forecast. You and I get back into it. Open phone, the 8 o'clock hour. Wake up, Wyoming. 6th in time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Tuesday, and we've reached the most dangerous time of this program every day, pretty much. At this time, it's open phones. You're in charge. You are. Personal.
3: Warning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted scary right well we're just that brand of crazy if you are offended by what other people think then maybe you want to tune out right about now just saying if you should choose to call just remember the more funny and interesting you are the longer glenn will keep you on the line obnoxious jerks will be hung up on (coughs) dave (coughs) all right strap in and let's do
2: this thing. 888-97, what's the phone number? That's 888 woods which means I got things that I'm going to talk about, but you can change the subject if you want to go ahead and do that. So, let's see, people have been sending me stuff based on what I play on the air, and I've decided to save some of these and uh, play them on air because some of this stuff is really good. Like, at random, I was sent this. You know the real reason that we evacuate women and children first in any kind of emergency? So that the men can figure out the solution in silence without being told they're doing it wrong fifty five times time. you
3: probably are,
2: <clears throat> yeah, I just look, don't blame me for that. Somebody sent it to me. I'm just the guy who said that's funny enough to play on here. Let's see what was the other. one? Oh, hey, you'll like this. There's a woman. there's no audio for this it's a it's a video thing, but so it was Black Friday now, for those who don't like. Target anymore and a lot of you don't like Target because of different woke reasons and political reasons and social reasons, that's that's okay, there's that but then there's this and I thought it was really incredibly revealing though not as surprising as it, some people would think it would be this woman is going through Target on Black Friday and she sees an item for sale and there's a big uh Well, it's where you slide the price in. It's a big card, and there's a metal, you've seen it, the metal frame where they slide the price in above whatever's for sale. And the car said that this item is, on a Black Friday special, $429. Uh, That's your Black Friday sale price by, golly, $429. What Target did not do was take away the card that was behind it, which had the price before the sale before the big Black Friday special sale prices. And so she pulled the Black Friday card away to reveal the old price, which was $429, the same price. So where is your Black Friday deal? Now, wondering if this was a fluke of some kind, a mistake, a fluke, whatever. She went to several other places around the store where they had a Black Friday sale and the low, low Black Friday price. And when she removed that card, the old card was behind it. And in each case, the old price was the same as the so-called Black Friday special sale price. Now, I don't know if that was the case all throughout Target stores all over the country, but it certainly was at the store that she went to, which when I posted that on my social media to see what kind of response I'd get, one person wrote back to me, well, at least they didn't raise their price like some people do. There are some retailers who will say special low price and they actually raise the price a little bit. I saw one time. I watched this at a car dealership. They were going to use cars and they were jacking the price of the car up a couple of thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars. Then they would put a sales sticker on there. or $3,000 off. So how much did you get off? Nothing. All right. Yeah. So always watch out for these. It's one of those buyer bewares. Most business people are very honest business people, but there are some. All right. Then this was when I got off the air yesterday, I decided to finish listening to something that I just started on the Glenn Beck program, which comes on after me. So you know what happens. After I get off the air, uh, there's some work that I've got to do before I go home. And I got done doing all of that production work. And I turned in the, in the studio here. I can click a couple of buttons that allow me to listen to what my local radio station is doing. That same local station that carries this program. And Glenn Beck was talking about Disney. And I think he absolutely – here's the latest story that I have on this. Walt Disney – seems to have admitted its controversial political and social agenda has hurt the company and its shareholders, according to Jonathan Turley. Turley, a George Washington University law professor and Fox News contributor, used the 300th birthday of the famed economist Adam Smith, whose invisible hand metaphor explains how the economy works. Quote, Disney appears to acknowledge that Smith's invisible hand is giving the House of Mouse the middle finger. In a new corporate disclosure, Disney acknowledged that his controversial political and social agenda is costing the company and shareholders big money. Turley then cited recent Security and Exchange Commission annual reports, which Disney acknowledged we face risk of relating to misalignment with public and consumer tastes and preferences for entertainment, travel, and consumer products will then stop doing it. This is a lot like a, I used the Bud Light controversy for this a while back. When Bud Light decided to have a spokesperson that didn't align with their customer base, they lost a lot of business. In fact, it's just about bankrupted the, the company. Okay. So. <clears throat> My advice to companies like Bud Light is just sell beer. Bud, just sell beer. Don't take anybody's side in anything. Don't virtue signal. You're not in business to push a social or political agenda of any kind. You're in business to make money. And making money is not a bad thing. That's, as long as you're doing it honestly, that's a noble thing. It's what makes the whole world go round here. It's, it's a good thing to make a good, honest living. And for the longest time, what Disney did was just provide entertainment, family entertainment. That's, that's all basically it was, was family entertainment, a movie you can sit down and watch with your kids, a theme park you could take your family to, and both everybody will have a good time. The adults will, and the kids will, too. It's for everybody. And Disney had really figured out exactly how to do that. I mean, I love – I grew up in Florida, so I love going to all of the Disney theme parks. There was Disney, MGM, Universal Studios. I went to all of their studios – well, Epcot, excuse me, Disney, Epcot, Universal Studios. And I would go to all of their studios and all of their theme parks and just have such a good time. And it didn't matter what age I was at, and that's what Disney had figured out. But then they started getting into pushing a social and political agenda by their own admission. So the author of this article writes, in an implied nod to Smith, the company observes that the success of our business depends on the ability to create compelling content. Generally, our revenue and profitability are adversely impacted when our entertainment offerings and products as well as our methods To make our offerings and products available to customers do not achieve significant customer acceptance. Further, customers' perception of our position on matters of public interest include our efforts to achieve a certain environmental and social goal. Often, they differ widely. And present risks to our brand. So all of that words, basically what he means is, so here we are trying to push a certain social and political agenda and not all of our customers agree with it, so they're not our customers anymore. And my answer to Disney is then go back to doing what you did before. Just produce good content. Stay out of the controversy. Good family content. He noted that Disney and other companies ignore customer backlash over corporate campaigns and that the companies have lost billions of dollars just in recent woke movie flip and flops basically uh, coming from Disney. Quote, for shareholders, it may seem counterintuitive that corporate executives would trade off profits for political social agendas. However, it does serve as a rationale for individual corporate executives who are professionally advanced uh, when they accomplish such things. So in other words, we will go ahead and advance you within the company if you accomplish certain social and political goals. Do this for us. Go ahead and, and virtue signal. And we'll promote you up the corporate ladder. Unfortunately, their promotion up the corporate ladder loses them business. Turley pointed out, as I just did, Bud Light, that they've just trashed that brand when all they should have done is just, hey, Bud, just sell beer. That's it. Just sell beer. Don't get involved in anyone's opinion. Just sell beer. Quote, in fairness to Disney, there is an expensive element to its products, movies, and artistic creations that emphasize certain motivations and values. At one time, those values involved some of what are now viewed as offensive to to some people. Uh, The question is the balance and degree of the politics and social agenda. Disney products are now viewed by many conservatives... As empty virtue signaling and endless attempts to indoctrinate children. Moreover, when the company and the public declares its opposition to a popular parental rights bill in Florida, it's it's moving away from the commercial into the political, and so you get the idea. If you and this is something I heard on, as Beck talked about this yesterday. If you're an investor, you're looking for a place to put your money. So. Disney has often been a great place to invest. Would you invest in a company that's flat out saying, look, uh, we're trying to push a certain agenda at the cost of profits? This reminds me of as some years ago. I don't remember the name of the restaurant anymore. But I walked into it. There was a new restaurant that opened up right in the downtown Cheyenne area, sort of on the edge of downtown. And what they served was a lot of organic foods and vegan stuff if you wanted, but it was actually very high-end and very, uh, uh, well, it, it, it tasted great. I mean, the food really did taste good. And it, was, but it was supposed to be all natural and stuff like that. So I was curious about the business, and I went in to talk to the owner as I tried some of his food, which I admitted tasted very good. And as he explained his business model, one of the things he said to me with a big smile on his face, but you know... People before profits. And I thought to myself, oh, buddy, you poor thing. You just in that one sentence, people before profits, explain why you're not even going to be in business by the end of the year. And he didn't last that long either. If you want to help your people, you need to make a profit. And the best way to make a profit is just produce a good product at a reasonable price with good service too. And you'll attract a crowd. Stay out of the political fray. You hear that, Disney? 819 is the time. Wake up. Now, Glenn Pocket with the Wake Up Wyoming
0: mobile app. This is AM 1030, K2 Radio.
2: 824 is the time. Michelle is listening in Greeley, Colorado. Morning, Michelle. She just sent me this note, which I told her I have an evil solution that I'll come back with next. She writes, Doug mentions Cheyenne police recommends a video doorbell to help with porch pilots, uh, pirates. Uh, nobody talks about the fact that the same department can never ID thieves from these cameras. I know of dozens of cases and daily on the neighborhood apps, people showing videos of stuff being stolen and cop- cops cannot seem to help. So, okay. Here's my evil solution for this. I actually posted this on my own super, uh, social media just a few days ago. It's a front porch scene, just somebody's front door there, right? And there's all of these different size and shapes, Amazon boxes. And it says, need to get rid of unwanted junk during the holidays? Put it in an Amazon box and leave it on the front porch. See what I mean? Why bother to identify these people? Now, there was a guy. He went viral a way back uh, on social media, especially with his videos, because he was so sick of porch pirates in his neighborhood. This guy is sort of a techie. He's good with making homemade technology. So he made a bunch of glitter bombs. So, yeah, you try to open up the box and it explodes spreading beautiful glitter all over the place. And then he put those boxes out not just at his house but at some neighbors' houses and let the porch pirates show up and go ahead and steal it. Now, while we're at it, <clears throat> long as we're mentioning this, if you want to get rid of garbage, I mean just in general, why take out the trash and throw it in the trash can behind your house? While you're at it, what else can you put in there? Do you have a pet? Do you have kitty litter? Do you have a dog? And you got to go around with the pooper scooper in your backyard every so often. Okay. See, I'm not talking about anything that's going to hurt anybody. But your porch pirate is really not going to be all that happy when they open up a box and there's just a big steaming pile of dog poo sitting in there. And and boy, is that going to stink after a while. And that's what they stole. Now, if you want to help the police out, I would like to know from police departments, would this work? There are different ways to track things. So if there's some something you can put in there... I mean, with today's technology, having something that can is trackable, find out where the porch pirate took it. Now, you don't need to know where it winds up because if they find something in there that is a tracker, they'll throw it out. But just follow the trail. At some point, you get to where this guy lives. That's another thing you can do as well. But to me... I like the idea of pranking these guys, just putting something out there so when they get it home and open it up, that's not what they expected. Now, I don't know if it's going to cure them from porch piracy, but now some of the answers for this, I thought I've been actually pretty creative. I've seen a couple of my neighbors have these. I don't know how much of a problem porch piracy is in my neighborhood. I think something that wound up on my porch a couple of years ago might've been stolen. My sister sent me something and I and she says, it says it arrived, but I never got it. So that made me wonder if it was stolen. Lost maybe by the people who were delivering or maybe just stolen, I don't know. But there are places you can go online where you can go ahead or even, I think some of your Home Depot stores and other hardware stores have these too. You buy a box that basically bolts down to your porch. And there's a way of working with delivery people, Amazon, you know, like that, where they have a code to open up your box to put the item in there. And you have a code, basically, to open up the box to get the item out. But, uh... Anybody else can't open up the box. There's there's clever ways to go ahead and secure your stuff on the front porch if that's where it's going to wind up. Personally, though, I'm for the big pile of steaming dog poop. I don't have a dog, but my neighbor does. And that thing is squatting in the backyard all the time. So if I wind up with a porch pirate problem, you know where I'm going. Coming up on, I might feed the dog extra stuff just to make it smellier. I might t- toss that out there. Coming up on 830, local news. Coming your way right after local news. Update on your weather forecast. You and I get back into it again with a nice long segment of open phones. 888 97 the phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven woods Wake up, Wyoming.
0: Local and mobile across Wyoming and beyond. Eight thirty-six. in time. It's wake, wake Up Wyoming. Wyoming All AM ten
9: thirty. Hey, good morning, Glenn. Hey, I think we're we're missing a, an amazing opportunity here. Yeah. You know, to to honor our Native American brothers and sisters. You know, I, I'd like the best solution these porch fires. Is that we we catch a couple of them, and then we invite our Comanche or our Blackfeet brothers and sisters to to come down and we'll perform a traditional execution of them, you know, to possibly televise it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean I do it would it would, you know, involve mm-hmm. the Native Americans in our in our system and I'm I guarantee it would fix porch pirates. So, they, uh,
2: just to be clear, you're in favor yeah. of the death penalty for porch pilots.
9: Oh well, I don't. Argue. If the Indians wanted to go ahead and kill him. I suppose that'd be that'd be what they wanted <laughs> to do. But but they would make him suffer for a long, long time. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's just, it's just, all seriousness, how did we get to the point that we tolerate thieves like this? It's just ridiculous to me that that there, nothing really ever seems to happen to them, does it? Well, I yeah.
2: Mean, they, when they, they, they don't get don't caught, get they uh, yeah, there's a slap on the wrist when they get caught. Well, I would be in favor. I mean, this could actually be. I think it's one of the worst things you can do to someone in the modern age. I would like to get some decent pictures because oftentimes, uh, yeah, Michelle and Greeley is correct. When you take a look at the cameras that they use, it's not the best picture. And a lot of times these people can go ahead and cover up their faces anyway. No, no, I want to find out who they are and post them all over the Internet, including their name and address and where they work and let their boss know. (coughs) I want their boss to know, yeah. hey, your uh, employee ripped off from my front porch. What do you think is happening at work?
9: Yeah, no, I agree. But that would probably be cruel and unusual punishment in this day and age. Uh, it could Wouldn't be, be yeah. acceptable, you know. Yeah, that, I know. it's just so frustrating to me how we got here. Yeah,
2: anyway, uh, thank you, day. Cody. Appreciate it. Now, I, dealing with porch, I do think sometimes. I do think sometimes the best way to kneel to deal with people like this, honestly, is just public humiliation and shaming. I, and to be able to get their information and post it and let their boss know as well. And their landlord. If they're stealing from my front porch, what else are they taking? Hello, Nancy.
10: Morning. Say, uh I've got a birthday coming up in a few days. Mm-hmm. I'm old. In fact, I'm so old, I have an autographed copy of the Bible.
2: <laughs> okay. I, uh,
10: I was born less than 50 years after the Civil War. ended. Wow. I was lucky enough to hit the 1950s as a teenager. Mm. I think that was the best time in the history of the world, and I happened to be in the right place at the right time right. here in Wyoming, roaring across the plains on my horse.
2: So you're probably looking at the world now going lord take me home. <laughs> exactly.
10: <laughs> and I also wanted to say something about you and your father. You okay. know, I knew you took care of him when he needed help. Yeah. That is so rare for sons. It's almost always women taking care of older men mm-hmm. or uh well anyone that needs help, you know. I'm a retired nurse. So I saw a lot and I really want to commend you for taking such oh, good you. care of your father.
2: I appreciate that. The only downside I saw, if I could go back and do anything, I have just one complaint. See, I used to say to people when they would take a look at me taking care of him, and I'd say, look, I don't worry about having to change that man-sized diaper. Look, he changed my diaper when I was young, so I think it's it's a fair return. I mean, you know. And then I right. find out afterwards, I find out he never changed a damn diaper. Never. He never did. <laughs>
10: Well, I'd
2: figure. Yeah, <laughs> he was
10: a man of <laughs> a different era. Middleman.
2: Yes, <laughs> I'm a good one. All right, <laughs> thank and you, now. Nancy. I always appreciate it, and Miss Mary will know what I'm talking about here. I always appreciate it when Nancy calls because every so often, Miss Mary and I wonder, is she dead? <clears throat> As she said, she was. She's really old. She's hanging in there. And I love getting called. That voice is amazing. Nancy, we love your voice. So we appreciate the occasional call because it lets us know that you're still out there. Now, back to the porch pirate thing that Cody was bringing up just a moment ago. So I do appreciate the idea of public humiliation because I know so many people, someone just stole off your front porch, you would like them either jailed or something harsh to happen to them. I think one of the harshest things that can honestly happen is public exposure of that. So, in other words, you get a good picture of a porch pirate or you catch her, however you catch him in the act, whatever it might be. I don't even need court time or jail time. None of that. I, I caught him in the act. I have the video. Now, to get this person's information would be great. I know that's not always possible, but let's imagine I got this person's information somehow. Even just by putting it up on the Internet, we now know who this person is because somebody will respond, I know him. All right, now, let's go ahead and send that video out there, not just to the public, to all of his friends, to his family. See, this is, this is my... Dream of what we could do to these folks. If if it did wind up before a judge, I would have the judge do the same thing. We're going to make sure all your friends, all your family, if your mom is still around, she's going to know she's not going to be happy. We're also going to let your landlord know. And if you have a job, your boss is going to know. We caught this person stealing off of the front porch of people in his neighborhood or in a nearby neighborhood. And if this person's willing to steal from somebody's front porch, then imagine what's happening at wherever they live or imagine what's happening at work or where they shop for that matter. Does this person regularly shop at your retail store, your grocery store, whatever it might be? Maybe you want to think about not allowing them in anymore because they were busted as a porch pirate. Therefore... You see what I mean? That kind of public exposure oftentimes is one of the, I think, best ways to deal with somebody. Because it not only breaks down anywhere where they can go, but the kinds of people that, uh, well, anyone who will want to deal with them. I mean, now they, they try to go get a job somewhere, they can't. They've been exposed in their community. Especially since Wyoming has such small communities, that's really devastating. So they're going to have to leave town, and we're okay with that. Hopefully, if they have any brains about them, we hope they do, when they get to wherever they're going to move to, whatever town that might be, they think twice about maybe I shouldn't do that again. Because the last time I went around stealing stuff off of somebody's front porch, I lost my apartment, my job. And I was basically anywhere I went, I was just shamed. My mom is mad at me. Sometimes I don't think throwing somebody in jail for a while actually does anything. I mean, yeah, you throw them inside a jail cell and, yeah, okay, they're stuck inside for a while. But they get a nice bed in a climate-controlled building, three square meals a day, television. To some people... Their lives were so miserable, that's actually a bit of a vacation. In fact, oftentimes around Christmas time, when we get into this time of year, you hear about people who will go commit crimes just to get arrested so they can have a decent place to stay. So I don't think often throwing people in jail is the answer. Sometimes, actually, I think that makes things worse. There's other ways to punish people, and I'm all for it. 845, wake up my... So
0: many opinions, we had to build the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app to hold them all. Free download from AM 1030,
2: K2 Radio. 8.48 is the time, Wake Up Wyoming. Once again, Dave, I cannot thank you enough for stepping in while Frank Gambino is out of town. So I am coming in, I'm leaving, I should say, on Saturday. I'm going down to Florida for my final vacation of the year. Now, that means I have to go into airports, and I'm smart enough to do it after the Thanksgiving holiday and everybody traveling, right? Right. All right, saved a ton of money and time that way. So let's just go through. Do you fly often?
5: Yes, yeah, Do with my job as the voice of the Wyoming Cowgirls flying all the time. Actually, I flew, okay. uh, I flew last Saturday and came back late, late Sunday night. So I oh. was in a couple of busy airports over the weekend flying with men's basketball down to Austin, Texas, and back.
2: Okay, so let's go ahead and just check off pet peeves here call it out if this applies to you having to check baggage and being charged for it that is a pet peeve yes. okay and airport security lines
5: uh not too bad okay. I, i'm okay with that i yeah to it's me, pretty good it's all yeah. about giving yourself plenty of time
2: sure yeah okay
5: lack of power outlets
2: but yes that is a pet peeve okay uh let me see having to sit in the middle seat
5: um it can be a pet peeve i don't mind it every once in a while but i'd rather not
2: yeah okay i you know i don't mind the window seat at all because i like looking out the window but i also a lot of times sit way in the back on the aisle which i find to be the most open seat that there is way you know
5: yeah yeah especially depending upon what we're flying I that's what i usually shoot for
2: yeah
5: (laughs) uh ever been stuck on the runway
2: Yes. Okay. Oh, that's got to just suck. Uh, that's, okay. Oh, it's yeah. horrible. It's okay. horrible. Uh, when he, you try to recline your seat and it goes back like half of a quarter of an inch. Yep. Oh, that's
5: yeah.
2: terrible. Okay. Uh, stuck next to the person who wants to talk to you. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I usually try to avoid that because my headphones are already in oh, rolling gotcha. with whatever yeah. I want. Whether yeah, I'm going to try and watch a
2: movie or listen to music or right. something. Yeah.
5: That's a do not disturb. So
2: crying babies.
5: Oh, that's a giant pet peeve. Okay. Uh, giant pet peeve. But being a, being a parent myself, I can yes. understand. And you sympathize. It's when yeah. the crying consistently continues. Yeah, okay, gotcha. That's okay. when it gets on my nerves. Are you
2: one of those people? Because I'm not. When the plane finally comes to a full stop, I remain seated. What do you do?
5: Uh, Depending upon where I am, yeah. I'm usually seated because I'm near the back. Which means yeah. there's a lot of people who have to get the heck off the plane. I'm not standing up right away. That's just
2: dumb. Yeah, I've off. I agree with that. I often take a look at it and think there's no point in just jump. Unless I have to make a connecting flight and I have to run, I just sit until everybody else is off. Yeah,
5: I got you on that one. All right. Thanks a lot. Glenn. Let's catch you up since, uh, since I was not available yesterday because getting back at 2 a.m. on Monday morning. Let's talk a little bit about, first of all, Wyoming Calgary basketball, a huge game tonight. First meeting against their former rival BYU. It's in Laramie. A 6:30 start at the Arena Auditorium. It's their first meeting against the the Cougars since 2011, when they were in the same two conference. And uh, BYU bolted. Uh, Cowgirls come in three and two, but BYU is six and zero. Oh. This is their first year in the Big 12 conference. But again, these two teams have not played since 2011. Wyman's coming off that big blowout win last Tuesday at home against Shattown State, so they had a few off days and some extra time to prepare. The question uh, on everyone's mind is, have they been prepared by playing teams such as Nebraska and Gonzaga before that? Wyoming well, I mean, head coach Heather Riesel said,
3: I hope that, you know, that's the plan. That's, that's what we, you know, why we scheduled the way we did. And hopefully that we can continue to to learn and grow from each of these games. So, you know, as of right now, yeah, practice, I think we're, I think we're ready, but we really won't know until the ball tips tomorrow. But uh you really hope that, the experience of these last few games that we've had can help us.
5: And we'll see that answer to that question tonight. 630 is the tip off of the double A. BYU has four players averaging in double figures led by Kaylee Woolston, who's at 17.2 points per game. And she shoots 59% from three-point range, which is one of the top 15 marks in the country. Again, these two have not played in women's basketball since 2011. Meanwhile, the Cowboy basketball team lost a tough one at 15th ranked Texas, 86-63 on Sunday Cowboys played well for about the first 12 minutes, and then they missed some layups and shots at the rim. That created transition opportunities for Texas, who stretched it out to 15 at halftime. And then the Cowboys cut it down to 12, about eight minutes to go in the game. But then Texas got some more transition opportunities, put it away. They out-rebounded the Cowboys by 10 and held Wyoming to just 39% shooting, while Texas shot 56% for the game. Cowboy football team got a big win to wrap up the regular season, blowing out Nevada on the road Saturday night, 42-6. to the Cowboys finished the regular season 8-4 and four overall, 5-3 and three in the Mountain West. Andrew Peasley had two touchdown passes and two touchdown runs in that game. Head coach Craig Bowell called it a dominating win for his team.
6: We played well in all three phases of the game. As you know, Mountain West football teams are pretty evenly balanced so they're well coached and this is a really good win for
5: us and for the wyoming cowboys they now wait to see where they will be going to a bowl game that should be announced coming up this sunday after the championship games this friday and saturday and that is your sports this hour i don't really mind i have flown out of gillette
2: and casper and cheyenne rather than going down to denver to catch it directly right some people say well you're spending extra money but you know the convenience of those airports and it's so, yeah, it's so easy to make it through their TSA and so on. I'll do it.
5: Okay, all, all right. right. Where do you go? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I have no choice. Yeah. I fly a lot out of DIA, but I have flown a few times out of Laramie Regional Airport. Yeah, here. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you,
2: Dave. Coming up on some local business. We have to take care. We're going to roll into news time after that. It's open phones. It's wake up, Wyoming. Six of time, it's Wake Up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Open phones, 888 97 woods Eight 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 ninety seven 97 Okay, I like this one. I had to post this on my own social media. And there's a police officer that just pulled a guy, well, I, I'm sorry, just walked up to a car that was parked. Sir, this spot is for handicap only guy inside the car says, eating bugs will change the weather. Sorry for bothering you. Have a nice day. (laughs) For those who actually think that eating bugs will go ahead and save the planet from what's been happening for billions of years, you should be allowed to park in the handicapped parking space. Honestly, you should. Okay, here's another story that just popped up. It was put up by our friend down the hallway here, Drew Kirby. Who does a morning show on a country station here in Wyoming? Uh, you a technophobe? I love technology. Some people get the idea that I'm anti technology because I hate wind and solar because that's not working out. I've explained why. And the current condition of electric cars not to say they can't improve electric cars, but currently electric cars have a lot of problems. So until they improve that, I don't. And I'm against government subsidies for things. Let the marketplace work it out. But for me, though, I use technology all the time. I have a smartphone, and I'm not one of these people who goes walking down the road staring at my smartphone all the time. But I do use it a lot. It's a tool. I use it for work a lot, a lot. But I also use it to communicate with family members and friends and, you know. So there's so much that I use. These phones, I don't even think we should call them phones anymore. Because the telephone option is the least used option on it. In fact, when the telephone actually rings, I often wonder who's the scammer trying to call me. Because normally people don't call me on my phone. They message me in all sorts of other ways. And I don't mind having technology at home doing all sorts of things. It's very typical for me to walk into my house and just ask for the lights to come on and they just come on. I don't have to flip a switch. I like that kind of technology. Also for my alarm clock, it's my cell phone. But you can imagine what I do here at the radio studios, between audio and video even. Our Wake Up Wyoming app is filled with technology that's really good for you. But are you a technophobe? Here's the story. Drew writes, if you're used to someone on your TV saying the name Alexa and your Alexa lights up and asks you what you wanted, then you don't have a problem with smart homes. If you're reading this with a puzzled look on your face of uh, looking at your 2007 flip phone, you probably don't have a smartphone, then maybe you do a problem. Personally, he says um, uh, not one that usually embraces the thought of technology ruling the world, but there are a couple of things I enjoy. Uh, Telling Alexa to turn on my morning lights, having the same computer AI programs to start the coffee before they get out of bed and take a shower, Asking your AI in your house random questions, sometimes wacky questions to see what they come up with is kind of fun. There's some Wyoming IT rights that have not embraced the idea of a smart home. Actually, there are some people in Wyoming that haven't even embraced the Internet, he says. According to businessbandsearch.net, about 97.2 of Wyoming population has access to high-speed Internet service, but about a quarter of Wyoming residents, a quarter... It like not even to have internet service, so forget the smart home concept. They don't even do internet. They just they're not going to have it now. For me personally, to me, internet is a tool. I mean, think about what I do for a living. So I use it a lot. But I can certainly do without having television. I don't need to say there are some really great television shows that I watch, but I don't watch much TV. And if there wasn't any television in my home, I would be okay. But the internet I use because of mostly what I do for a living. But some of you folks out there won't even do that. Right now, we're getting close to about half of this audience listening to this radio show off their phone. Either live or listening to the podcast version of it later. But there's other people out there who are only going to listen on radio. And they're not going any other way. They have their old-fashioned radio, and that's what they're going to listen to, and they're not changing. There's only three states that have fewer smartphones in Wyoming. Now, that's a surprise. Can you imagine having fewer, we're talking per capita, than Wyoming? Hawaii, Mississippi, and Alaska. Google's Oxford Language Dictionary definition of smart home is... A home equipped with lights, heating, and electronic devices that can be remotely controlled by phone or computer. And what I like about it is if I wanted to change the temperature of my house or turn my lights on and off, I can do it from my phone, either by touching things on an app or speaking to it. And if you're thinking, well, you got to be tech savvy to do that. No, you don't. It's actually pretty easy. Okay, let me see. Smart A therm- uh, AAA. AAA says... Having a smart home device will make your life easier while at the same time can be used to save you a lot of money. Smart thermostats control temperatures saving you a ton of money. Smart outlets and power strips can turn off devices saving you about $200 a year. Smart bulbs use less energy than a standard light bulb. I have a, I still want my incandescent light bulb back by the way. I understand the whole smart bulb technology saved me a lot of light and so on, but I hate the idea that government came along and decided for me that I'm not allowed to use that kind of a light bulb anymore. And then for people who like music and so on, there's speaker systems for your home. uh, And Drew writes, of course, there are many smart devices you can have around your house to assist you throughout the day. Smart vacuums that will go ahead and do your the Roombas that will do your floor for you, stuff like that. Okay, just a thought because I didn't realize that the, if this is true, about a quarter of Wyoming doesn't even have internet and they don't want it. Now I know some of these people are folks that live way out in the middle of nowhere, and they don't want they don't want this anywhere near them. They chose. In fact, there's people who chose to live pretty much off the grid, even creating their own electricity however they want to do it. But chose to get someplace way out in the middle of nowhere where there's barely even any cell phone service. And they don't want it. So, this is one of those states where, yeah, we're a landmass wise. Wyoming's got a pretty good sized state. Uh, we got a lot of territory here with very few people in it. And there's not a whole lot of people in Wyoming that want that to change. Yeah, I met quite a few people who've just decided, you know, I'm, I've stay out here. Some some were born and raised out here. Some people moved way out here in order just to stay as far away as they could from everybody else. And that's the way they like it. Let me see if I could find the, no, that would be the, uh, I'm looking for, ah, here we go. I think it was in, Aha. Uh, yeah, the Wyoming. This, this I wrote and produced during the COVID era. Welcome to the Social Destinations Association of Wyoming. We've been doing this for over
4: a hundred years. You probably haven't heard of us because we don't get together that often. Hell, we don't even have any meetings. Yeah, that's right. We were social distancing before it was a thing. Now everybody's doing it. Now I'd like to
2: introduce you to Pete. Pete's my imaginary friend and the spokesperson for the Wyoming Social Distancing Association. Pete, if you would, please. Why, that's some inspiring words, Pete. So come join us today. The Wyoming Social Distancing Association. Just do it somewhere else. Not right
4: here. We don't want you around here. Go away.
2: This has been a special message to help the fight of coronavirus from the Wyoming... What the hell you
4: doing know here? Get off my property.
2: <laughs> Uh, R.H. is in Wiggins, Colorado. Hi, Glenn. I only listen to you over the air on my radio. See, and he's not the only one. Despite the fact that almost half the audience, now, almost half the audience right now is listening off their phone, either live or later, there are people who will only listen off of their radio, and they're never going to listen any other way, which I'm fine with. Any way you want to listen, that's just fine. It's just interesting to see the people who won't even get the Internet, not even going to try it, don't care. 916,
0: wake up. The best talk show host in the state with price range. Tune in to Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods, weekdays at 6. 921's
2: the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Okay, the latest, we'll do this real quick update on those people who want you to give up eating meat. It's not going to work, but they're going to try.
4: Try to amend my carnivorous habits, made it nearly seven days.
2: Stack it up here, lettuce and tomato. Sure, he likes in 57. I like mustard on mine. Uh, big, big kosher, kosher pickle. I always finish those off. Okay, so real quick here, then we'll go ahead and get Micah, who's sitting by there on hold. United Nations, this is an update on the story I gave you earlier this week and last week too. United Nations set to call on Americans to reduce meat consumption. A lead United Nations agency overseeing food and agriculture policy is expected to issue a roadmap in the coming weeks that will call on the West, including America, to dramatically reduce meat consumption. Because, you know, they're trying to get you to save the planet. Quote, the failure to uh, of leading meat and dairy uh, companies to reduce emissions underline the urgency. See, they're trying to save the planet. So... Eat bugs. Morning, Micah.
11: Good morning. I just wanted to point out to people who follow Craig Johnson and his Longmire series. Right. He is coming to Cheyenne on Sunday, but on his website, um, it was showing that it was going to be at noontime on Sunday mm-hmm. at um, Barnes & Noble, but then I saw another place where... It's showing that he's going to be at our library in Cheyenne at noontime. (laughs) So I contacted him, and um, he assured me that, yes, it is going to be at the library. So if people are following his website, I don't know if he's changed it yet or not, but um, it's actually going to be at the library, because originally it was going to be at Barnes & Noble, but because he always draws such a big crowd... Um the library then graciously offered to let him hold his okay. event at the library instead. So it'll be at the Cotton Room at the library at noontime on Sunday, not at Barnes & Noble. Barnes okay. & Noble is just sponsoring it.
2: Yeah. Had him on the program a few times to chat with him. Interesting guy to talk to. Really nice guy. I mean, very just laid he back, is I yeah. He is
11: hilarious. He is hilarious. And through him, then I also met his best friend Marcus Red Thunder, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, he has supplied me with so much Native American information. It's just, he's just—they're both amazing.
10: Can,
2: can you imagine <laughs> really going? I want you to imagine going through a life with a name like Marcus Red Thunder. That'd just be—he the-
10: apparently hasn't
11: had much of a. a trouble
2: with that no i mean i think that's a great name that's like being called indiana jones i mean come on
11: yeah that's just well and marcus is the one who actually informed me about the the indian horse relay races right gosh that is really an interesting event as well and if you watch the documentaries and you hear the indians actually talking about the the importance of it especially Mm -hmm. for, for the young men
2: on their reservations and everything it all is right. it is a beautiful thing all right all right thank you okay. appreciate Thanks. it all right so i'm gonna pick a now you can change the subject like she did triple a 97 woods that's a today 97 W O O o d s i'm gonna pick something completely out of left field in this one i'm looking at uh, pictures of this right now because i'm impressed i think this is a great idea I a while ago, is it a month or so ago, I, for you guys, did a good, like, two hours on the air, which is rare for me to spend that much time on one topic because usually we beat the topic to death, right? But this had to do with the price of just automobiles in general. I mean, it, whether you're trying to buy new or used right now, the prices are just through the roof. I mean, just out, outrageously, ridiculously high. I even looked at pickup trucks and I found a $90,000 pickup truck. Oh, Lord, it's so expensive these days. If you wanted to buy a more basic pickup truck, you're still talking like uh close to $40,000 or above 40000 for just even a basic pickup truck. Now, I have always said to solve these problems, let the marketplace do it. Capitalism works. There's a reason that capitalism has been successful and pulled so many people out of poverty. In this case, Toyota is coming out with a pickup truck. Base, it's a good-looking truck, too. Base price is $10,000, base price, for the no-frills, okay? This is the Toyota Land Cruiser 70 Series. Now, the no-frills seats two up front. Again, it's a good-looking truck, seats two up front. And then the back of it is just a flatbed, now I haven't got all the specs and details on it here. I'm reading about it. I'll keep looking at it, and then you can start. What do you want to do with the back? Now that doesn't mean it's going to be suddenly like forty thousand dollars. You know, to to put stuff. It depends on what you want to do. Did you want to build something yourself? Did you want to make it just a regular looking pickup truck? Did you? I looked at uh, more of a camper version of it. I like the idea of going. With I have more of an SUV-looking vehicle now, and I go camping in that. I just fold down the seats and lay down in the back, and there's there you go. I don't have to set up a tent. So I thought it would be nice to set this up as a bit of a camper, and they have a version of that. Whatever you'd like to put on the back. They have all sorts of different things that you can go ahead and attach to the back. But the base price just for the basic flatbed is $10,000, and it is a good quality truck. What this is doing, as Toyota has put this out, is it's caused other truck manufacturers around the world, including here in America, to take a look at that and go, oh, hell. Well, look, people cannot afford these really expensive cars or trucks. So somebody out there to make money, which is what capitalism does, figured out a way to lower the price of the pickup truck down to something more reasonable by today's standards and they're going to start doing the same thing with automobiles now if one company starts doing this trust me all the rest are going to have to follow along just keep an eye in the marketplace coming up on local news update on your weather forecast wake up wyoming
0: Guy. Honestly, he's just happy to be here. Testing Ben Woods on Wake Up Wyoming. Weekdays at 6 on air. 6 at Wake, Wake Up Wyoming. Wyoming I'm going
2: to answer some of the people off the Wake Up Wyoming app. Now, in case you don't know what that is, for those non techos out there, this is easy. The uh, phone that you have, if you have one of today's modern teleo phones, it has an option for you to add apps. Just go to your app store. The Wake Up Wyoming app is free. And when you download it, you don't need to be tech savvy to operate it it's easy one of the options is the chat mode you touch chat when i'm on the air and send me text messages and so a lot of times when you hear me talking to people on air i'm just talking to people who are sending me text messages which i answer not just by talking to them on air but typing back or you can always call the program when i'm on the air and i'll be happy to take the call on there, too, however you want to do it. Now, a lot of these people also listen to this program off the phone or later because this program becomes a podcast after I'm off the air. All right, now, Jim in Laramie. Jim in Laramie says, you asked me a few months ago to remind you to post something on Facebook and see if uh, it gets tagged by the fact checkers. This is your reminder. Thank you, and I will do that. Fred is in Colorado. Hi, Fred.
6: Good morning, Glenn. You know, this is Fred the Luddite in Colorado. That's my new name.
2: Okay, I'll take that.
6: Okay. Um, by the way, I'm calling you on a, on a landline and listening to a Sony radio.
2: Wow. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Sony radio. How big is the radio? Oh, it's not much bigger than a loaf of bread. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Because someone just sent me a picture of a radio. You know, the old big wooden box kind that oh, yeah. was set up about waist high. I love those. But anyway, well, go Glenn,
6: ahead. I'm about 25 years older than you are. so Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah.
6: My <laughs> memories are a lot longer. Yeah. I call about two things. One, you were talking about porch pirates and, mm. pirate and uh, punishment. Right. I have a proposal for a form of punishment. Okay. Do you remember when the pilgrims used to have the stock in the center of the yeah. public square? Sure. And they'd put people's heads and arms through it? Mm-hmm. I think that would be a good one, and it'd be more than just calling their employer. This would be where the whole public could see this person.
2: Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, since I think the only difference is, since nobody really walks around anymore, you'd have to put them in some place where everybody can see them as they drive by. How
6: about the mall?
2: That's fine, yeah. Okay. okay.
6: And then uh, the other thing is, you've often talked about the Jackson school debacle with electric buses. Yeah. I have one for you. I live in Boulder County, Colorado. And our local school district, Boulder Valley School District, bought a bunch of electric vehicles, the only problem is they found out they couldn't drive them up in the mountains, so they had to abandon them and go back to uh, regular buses. Wow. Okay. So that uh, that should be another quiver in your... Okay. Uh, ...for you. I, I, and the last I, thing... I'm sorry? Go ahead. And the last thing is I read this morning online that General Motors has laid off 25% of their employees in one of their EV battery factories.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: So... Uh, Again, just something to
2: throw in there for you. I th- the big part, I think, with the electric cars, electric vehicles is I've said this from the very beginning you cannot create an artificial marketplace. Then government continually tries to do that. Government keeps trying to get us to purchase things that we don't want for whatever reason we don't want it. We don't want it. And So they keep trying to pump money and create an artificial marketplace. Well, one of the reasons electric vehicles is failing is because it didn't happen organically. If we wanted it, we would have already been buying them.
6: That's right. I was listening to the radio yesterday, and there was an ad for a dealership in Denver. And they were advertising their vehicle that you could get a $7,500 federal tax credit. Oh, yeah. And then I don't know the amount that they said for the state of Colorado that threw in also – you know, it's, again, it goes back to what you so often said. If it's a good product and people want it, then yeah. people ought to pay the price. Don't ask the government or the taxpayer to pay for there it. There you
2: go. All right. Thank By you. By the way, it. have
6: a nice vacation next yeah. week.
2: I appreciate you calling in, Fred. Fred calling in from Colorado. we got several Colorado listeners down there. And one more. In Wiggins, Colorado, RH. RH, I wanted to answer you on air for this one. <clears throat> said, Glenn, you and other centralized government groups want us not eating meat in order to weaken our brains and bodies so that we are more easily conquered and controlled. While I do understand why some people do think that, my honest answer is I don't think that they're that smart. I really don't. I don't think that these people are so smart that they think that all the way through. And, and I've often heard people uh, comment, well, you know, they're doing whatever it is, such and such, to crash the economy. Well, what's the point of crashing the economy? If the economy is crashed, then these people who are rich and powerful are not making any more money. They need us. They need us to be successful so they can be successful. So oftentimes when you get deeper into some of the conspiracies out there, my thought is they're not smart enough to figure this out. You take a look at some of the dumb decisions that these people in power make. The only thing they know how to do is get into power. But once they get into power, they don't know what to do with it because they're not really actually smart people. And so they make all of these decisions that in their own mind makes them a great person. Can you tell me more about the Toyota 70s? Maybe a link. Yes. Uh, that's Carpenter, Wyoming. I will send you a link on that. I'm really interested. I'm answering uh, refers uh, Carpenter, Wyoming. I really do like the idea that Toyota is coming out with this. Uh, it's a pickup truck. It's basic. It's very basic. Uh, it's a $10,000 truck. And it's a good looking truck, too. And it looks like it's got it's kind of hardy looking, like it's not a piece of junk. All right. But it's very basic. And then you can add on to that what you want, and you don't have to make it a $40,000 truck. You can keep it basic if you want. That would be a really – once one company starts doing this, all the other companies have to follow. Trust me. All right. 943 Wake Up Wyoming. Start
0: your day the right way. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-Woods. Eight
2: forty eight. The time. Let's wake up Wyoming. Off we go to talk to Dave Settle, who's in Laramie, filling in for Frank Gambito. Do you folks in Laramie have much of a problem with
5: porch pilots? You know, I haven't heard a ton about it. Okay. I, I would I, You know, I'll be honest with you. I have known a few people who've had some packages stolen. I, I there hasn't been a lot of, let's say, public "quote unquote" fanfare, but you okay. Know, Uh, You just, to me, you can't risk it these days. Okay. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. That that is just one of those. Uh,
2: Well, we were trying to figure out earlier today clever ways of dealing with porch pilots. My favorite way is to take all of the garbage you normally throw out in trash and pack it up in Amazon boxes and put it on the front porch. Oh, that would be hilarious. That's just great. There was the Glitter Bomb guy, a guy who's sort of a tech guy who okay. made really nice-looking packages that exploded with all sorts of sticky glitter
5: when they Ooh. opened
2: it. Yeah. that's rough. Let's see. Uh, I am for laying down the decoy package. I don't have a pet, but my neighbor has a dog, and I don't know what she feeds that thing. But dear God, you know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, make one of those boxes, you know, and okay. uh, that, that may be cure Let's see, uh, let's see, it gets messy. Glitter package there. I'm looking for others there. Oh, they say turn a security camera on. That doesn't do anything. Oh, put glue on the package. Okay. Uh, that can help. So they get stuck to the package. Stink bombs. Okay. Fill it with rocks and sand. I like the dog poop better.
5: Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, I think back to, I don't, I don't, you don't see it nowadays, but uh, the old prank where you used to uh, light the dog poop in the paper bag okay. on fire. Oh, here's yeah. the thought. Okay. Wait, let's get techie so, here. We'll put that in a yes. package. Okay. Don't light it on fire, but actually put the dog poop in a package. Yeah. That'd be awesome. No, yeah. so, I, no cool. I,
2: I think I'm combining the two. Let's get techie with this. So okay. we put the dog poop in the package. But we also rigged the package so it will light on fire when they open it.
5: Oh, okay. So, like, yeah, you get one of those little triggers so that when the box fans open, it it starts. Okay. So now they
2: have burning dog poop (laughs) basically (laughs) sitting there in front of them over there. Okay. Now, in any way that I can think of to make opening up the package... As miserable as possible is my right. goal. But Cause I can go. think of, I mean, the glitter bomb thing is fun and funny and so on. But no, I really want to make their lives miserable.
5: Yeah, torment them as best you can. Thank you very much, Glenn. Let's talk a little cowgirl basketball. A huge game tonight at home at the arena auditorium in Larmy starts at six 30 as the cowgirls take on former rival BYU. First meeting between these two teams since BYU left the league back in 2011. Wyman comes in three and two while BYU is six and oh, this is their first year in the big 12. Now the cowgirls have not played since last Tuesday when they had that education day record crowd of over 7,500 and beat Shattern state in a blowout 78 to 32. So what have they done since? Well, they took a couple of days off and then coach Heather Ezel said,
3: just getting in the gym and working on us. We need to kind of sure up some of our motion stuff, being able to, to clean up a couple parts and, and just review i guess some of the options that we haven't gotten to just yet and so that's been nice to have a few days to, to do all that
5: and so the cowgirls back at it tonight Six thirty is the game time you can listen to the game six o'clock on KWB in laramie the cowboy basketball team's coming off a tough loss at 15th ranked texas on sunday 86 to 63 at the moody center in austin texas shot 56 percent from the field for the game held the cowboys to 39 percent cam maniao Led four Cowboys in double figures with his fourth double-double this season. He had 12 points and 10 rebounds. The Pokes now 4-2 and two there at Portland on Friday. In college football, the Wyoming Cowboys wrapped up the regular season with a triumphant win at Nevada, 42-6. to Andrew Peasley, the quarterback, ran for two touchdowns, threw for two more as Wyoming did not blink, didn't give up a touchdown on defense, just a couple field goals to the Wolfpack. Cowboys finished the regular season eight and four overall, five and three tied for fourth in the Mount West. Now they await their bowl invitation, which will be the sixth time in the last eight seasons and for the third consecutive season. Wyman has never gone bowling in three successive seasons and they should find out on Sunday where they will be going bowling here in 2023. And Laramie High School is looking for a new head football coach. Paul Ronga stepped down on Monday after three seasons. That came out in a release from Laramie High School athletic director Ron Wagner. Rongo was 4-24 in his tenure with the Plainsmen. They made one playoff appearance in his three seasons. That was in 2022. And uh, unfortunately for Laramie, they've fallen on hard times. They've ha- not had a winning football season since 2000 and set a new stake record this year with their 23rd consecutive losing season in 2023. The search for a new head football coach at Laramie High School will begin immediately. And that right there is going to wrap up your sports okay. today. Hey, I didn't, I didn't even think about
2: asking it because it was uh, Monday. You weren't uh, with us because you were snoozing.
5: So I it was. was. Uh, we got back at two a.m. Yeah, on just out. Uh, Monday so, morning. Yeah. So, what
2: did you think about the Cowboys in that last game? Did they look good?
5: Well, you know what? Uh, that is a young group that's continuing to come together. I, I you know, young but very new. There's some older guys on that roster and they still are without one guy who got hurt in preseason practice with a broken thumb. He should be back here hopefully in the next month. I think that team's going to continue to improve and get better. The Texas Test was their most difficult to this point and that's just a a really good team, really athletic long. Cowboys showed some flashes in that game. If they can get consistently better, they can have a good season in men's basketball And, and I'm looking forward to tonight's women's game against BYU as well. All right.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it, Dave. Coming up on some local business and news time, it's Wake Up My